Hey, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm laughing and crying so hard right now at all, all at the same time. A lot of emotions because I was like really, really productive today. And one of the things that I hate to even say this because then if I don't do it, I'll feel like a total failure, but I was going to try to commit to posting on Monday and like Thursday, maybe of every week, maybe Friday. Um, cause I figured if I do a guest, if I plan on like always doing my guest interviews on Thursday, then I can post it by Friday. And then in between then I can record, uh, individual interview and then plan on posting that on anyway, or not an interview, individual like myself talking, rambling. So I had recorded last week. I was like on track. Today's Monday. I was on track to like re- finish listening to it and then post it today. I'm so glad that I do, even though I can't edit anything, I'm so glad that I do at least listen through the entire post before posting it because apparently when I recorded, I thought that I had paused it and did not. Um, and there was, I don't even know, I got tired of waiting. There was at least five minutes of just dead air, like just dead. Like I put the phone in my purse and forgot to press pause or didn't press pause. It was recording the whole time, like my map, getting in and out of my car, really exciting stuff. So I will spare you that and will not post that episode, even though I kind of knew, and I even mentioned it at the end of that recording that I thought that it was just a few minutes of like maybe my music where I hadn't totally paused it. But yeah, it was a lot of minutes because I thought, well, if it's just a minute, this is funny. I'll just post it, whatever. No, no, it was a lot of minutes. So, um, Right now I'm at my house getting ready to go pick up the babies and my 11-year-old is chasing chickens, which is probably the funniest thing you'll ever see if you haven't already seen it before in your life. Fun fact, you can actually never catch a chicken because they can run faster. I mean, you can, like there's a way that you can like trap them or whatever and they're kind of stupid, but they actually run faster than any human um, miles per hour has been able to ever run. So I don't know if you knew that, but now you do more useless information coming your way. What's the miles per hour versus what a human can run miles per hour? Uh, why do you ask me details? I have no idea. So because I'm annoyed and I'm determined still, even though I'm recording this today, I'm determined to still post it today, I'm skipping an intro altogether. Usually my intros are just me rambling on about whatever's going on in my crazy life and, you know, I'm, I'm just getting past that. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna, gonna touch it. Uh, here's what's going on. Christmas break is freaking over. Oh my goodness. Okay. I I will talk about this for a second. Point number one. I love my kids so, so much. 100% love every second with them. Love the time. Love the break because I stress out about school and timelines and assignments and things like that just as much as they, and lunches and time and buses. I stress out about that kind of stuff as much, if not more than they do. So I love the break. It's, it's was well, it was a good time for the break. 
Number two, my family, my children, myself thrive on structure and schedule. So to have a total of 16 days, I'm trying to see what's happening here. I'm trying to leave. Hold on. So I'm sorry. I'm back. Um, to have 16 days where there was zero structure, no school, no anything, I still have a job, so I definitely still had to work, um, was just a little bit exhausting. Um, here's the new thing that's exhausting too, and you'll, you'll realize this if you don't already have older children, or if you do, you know what I'm talking about, or maybe this is just me. My home is set up to where, I mean, if we're up and, and like, hanging out or relaxing or whatever. I don't have a basement. I don't have a, I do have like a foyer area that has a second TV and is set up kind of with a couch and stuff. But for the most part, like my main living room area is it. So what I'm used to during like normal time is my kids go to bed usually before nine o'clock. And so from like nine o'clock to midnight, that's mommy time and I'm alone and I get my work done and I clean and I organize and I fold laundry and I get things ready for the next day. And so for 16 days, there was no mommy time until like 11 or midnight even. And then because my oldest son is 12 and so he really doesn't have a bedtime anymore. Now I could have forced him to go to bed by nine, you know, 10 or something and just made up some reason. But I don't really, there's at this point, like there's really no reason. He doesn't have to get up for anything. He used to wake up super early. So I would force him because I'm like, I'm not dealing with your attitude because you're grouchy and still a baby and get grouchy when you're tired. But now he's like able to sleep in. He'll sleep in until like 10 or 11 when he stays up late. So I don't really have any, uh, justification for not allowing for him to stay up and the other good thing is obviously the babies they can't hang so like they still go to bed by eight so we do it was kind of nice because we do get to spend I did get to spend a lot of time one-on-one with the older kids Legos and oh my gosh we played uh my son got Star Wars Risk have you ever played Risk before the board game Holy gee, Louise, I never saw anything like it. It took us an hour and a half to get through the directions before we could actually start playing. I never saw anything like it. So complicated. But it was pretty fun after we finally were able to play. Um, but yeah, so we did get to spend a lot of one-on-one table. I, I'm an, I've, I've talked about this before. I'm an introvert. And what, what introverts need is time to recharge. I love spending time with my kids. I love that I got to have that one-on-one time. But I was exhausted because I did not I didn't, and it's, and my mom's like, don't say that. It, that sounds terrible. I told her one time, like, I need a time alone. She's like, you can't, don't say that, Deb. She said, judgmental. Um, but I do, like, I just need time to recharge. And so I'm going to be honest with you, last night, you know, I even, I actually had them go to bed a little bit earlier than nine because I knew that, like, you're going to be getting up way earlier than you have over the past two weeks. I came downstairs, it was 8.45, and it was, I was alone, and it was quiet, and I, I was, it was a nice time, and then today is the, um, I worked last week, I, I ended up working three days out of the two holiday weeks, 
Um, and so I worked last week and I did really well on those three days. And so I felt okay about taking a mental health day today, made a lot of phone calls. Really half of my day was ate up with a caseworker visit this morning. So it's not like I just laid around all day. Took a little nappy, took a little nappy. I'm not going to lie. And, uh, just got a lot of busy work done that I needed to get done. So I feel great. I feel revived. I feel ready to go. I also made some like, do y'all make New Year's resolutions? Or like, what are they? I don't know. People call them all kinds of dumb things. Whatever. Do you try to do something different when the new year starts? I do because I love to set myself up for failure. Um, and so (laughs) one of the things that I want to start doing is getting back into a routine of working out every day. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I haven't done it yet, but it's like, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could really start anything last week because the kids were home and I still had to work and then we had new year's. I was off work and then I was about all these appointments and stuff. So, um, so this week I'm planning on starting. I don't know what I'm going to do. Here's my options. Option number one I get up with Charlie at around 6, 6.15 every day anyway. And so I could, I should, what I should do if I was a responsible person is work out at home at that time until, you know, whatever. I have to um, get up Clara and the babies and get ready to leave for the day. That's what I should do. I also, though, have a Y membership. And I love the Y and I go there. I have gone there for years. And so another option would be to um, put Clara onto the bus and then um, take the babies to the sitter and go to the Y for an hour every morning and then actually shower and get ready for work at the Y, which is also an okay option. The only kind of issue with that option is that it does have me starting my day a little bit later Um, And so, like, if I'm short on visits, it's easy for me to justify to not go because then I'm like, well, no, I need the time to work. So, I think I might do a combination of the two. Like, maybe try to get to the Y at least three days a week. And then on the other two days, do a home workout. Um, If I could even do a home workout one day out of the week, that would be amazing. I'm telling you, I just hate the mornings. I hate them. To me, when I wake up and then he leaves and gets on the bus, there's nothing more that I can think about doing except going back to sleep. I feel like completely irresponsible to be doing anything, especially working out while my kids are sleeping, the babies are sleeping. It feels very irresponsible because I don't get a lot of sleep as it is. And so when they're sleeping, I still go by the, uh, the practice of when the baby sleeps, you sleep. That's, I'm still there. So to, to stay up and work out, what? And the other thing is I typically stay up at night till at least midnight, uh, which is totally con- contradict, contra what? Contradictory. If I could talk con- counter into counter, I don't know. You know, obviously the babies are sleeping then, so I should be asleep then, but I can't force myself to go to bed. Last night I was like, I'm going to go to bed earlier so I could maybe stay up tomorrow after I put Charlie on the bus. It was like 1130. What? I can't go to bed early. I don't know. I'm just a night owl. I'm just learning to accept that I'd love to make a shift 
to that and like start my day at six and be perky and awake and exercise and be able to like I can't I can't stand it but I'm also I like underneath deep down I'm jealous of these women who post like uh had my workout ate a well-balanced breakfast meal prepped for the week and cleaned all my bathrooms all before 7 a.m and I'm like this no how because I get up and I barely have my eyes open to tell Charlie why to get on the bus and then I'm like back to sleep immediately (laughs) I don't know I don't know so that's kind of the goal I think that's a good I just came up with that right now as I'm talking do a combination because for example on Fridays I can't go to the Y because Mia has speech therapy at 9 30 and so I already start my day late I'm not going to go to the Y and start it even later than that so uh so yeah that would be that would be a day that I would need to not be a lazy ass and actually do my workout at home we'll see how it goes but I do want to get back in to working out and being um doing some more consistent workouts that's one of my whatever you want to call them resolutions um I read a thing and I know I mean we've probably seen this where it said like give time to your body now or like make a choice to give time to your body now or you won't have a choice to give time to it later and obviously there's no way to predict like people who are the most fit and healthiest ever still sometimes end up having like major uh, tragic health diagnosis and health things that come along and then people who are not healthy and like drink alcohol and eat hamburgers every day end up living into their 90s and are perfectly healthy so there's like there's a lot of other factors genetics environment food you know all these things but I think the thing that I have I've talked about this before I think is that working with the geriatric population like I am very motivated to try to do anything and everything that I can to be healthy because I do not want to find myself in my retirement years being uh, unhealthy as a result of some of the lack of effort and choices and things that I've made through my younger years. So I already feel old. And I'm not even 40. I can't imagine how I'm going to feel into my 60s. So I got to get it together because if not, it's going to be a it's going to be a rough retirement. And I have every intentions of retiring and retiring well. I'm not leaving my house forever. You know that that's not going to happen. I do tell my kids. I tell my kids all the time. You better get it together. You better get it together when you're 18 because you're out. When the last one's out, I'm out of here. I'm not staying in this godforsaken Ohio. I'm out. And, uh, yeah, probably not. My house is so perfect for grandkids. Like, I have to stay there. But between you and me, uh, I'll probably end up staying there. But what I tell my kids is they got to get together and get out. So, (laughs) I don't know. I hate Ohio. It's so cold and gross. It's windy. Right now, it's like uh, out of nowhere. It was sunny and nice earlier. Out of nowhere, it's cloudy and the wind's blowing 80 miles an hour. What? I don't know. And then it's supposed to rain the next two days. It's almost 60 degrees right now and I think the high tomorrow is supposed to be 60 degrees and then I look the high on Wednesday is like 22 how how can you have a 40 degree difference in the in the highest temperature for the day from one day to the next that's what I'm dealing with here in Ohio so 
Anyway, I said I wasn't going to do an intro, and I lied. I'm a liar. And I did an intro, and I rambled, and I and sorry. But I am going to jump right into the topic because I want to um, I want to get this posted today. I will post this today. Challenge me. Fight me. I will post it today. <laughs> um, so what I talked about in the episode that I screwed up, and the recording that I screwed up that had five, 10 minutes of nothing is, uh, and I'm going to talk about that again on this episode, is I talked about how I had a panic attack in church uh, not too long ago. And I wanted to just touch on um, mental health in general, in the church, in the Christian community, in the religious community, what you know, whatever type of denomination or, or thing you, you um, subscribe to, I think in the religious community period that there is a, a lot of stigma and shame and embarrassment associated with mental health. And, and so I, w- I wanted to touch on that. And specifically, um, the whole topic came to mind. It's, it's come to mind for me in like been something that I've, um, that I've thought about quite a bit at different times in my life, but specifically, um, you know, this incident in church that I had not too long ago made me really start to think about it again. And so I wanted to talk about it here. Um, so I've had, like I said, I've had multiple incidents throughout my life where there have been situations that I've been, um, that I've been like, that have happened in my family that have happened, um, with friends of mine that have happened even like while I was on missions trips to where I have been exposed to, you know, pretty significant mental health, either with family members or, um, just as as an example, I was um, on a missions trip in Mexico and living in an orphanage for a couple of weeks. And one of the girls there at the orphanage attempted suicide by cutting her wrist. So, I mean, I've been, there's been like blips on my timeline to where there's been things like that. I've had friends, I've had uh, family members who have been admitted for mental health treatment throughout the years and have had either suicide attempts or threatened suicide or major depressive episodes or major manic episodes and things like that. And the the consistent thing that I've noticed throughout the years is that no one wants to talk about it there's this major shame and embarrassment and especially no one wants to talk about it in the church. If you're an active member of a church, I beg you, please email me because I am so interested to know if anyone who listens has ever been in church. Now, if you're, if you're in a traditional church, you know, this happens where you either are in the big service, you know, big church, and they take prayer requests to where, People raise their hands and they gossip. Let's just be honest. No, they say things that they want for the other people in the church to pray about. Um, And I know like that sometimes happens in big church. That sometimes happens in like small groups or in Sunday school class, whatever you call them. Like if you're a part of a church community and there's some type of setting to where you share things that you would like for other people to pray for, for other people about. I would love to know if you have ever experienced or ever heard anyone ask for prayer or maybe yourself, if you've ever, are you kidding me right now? Scam likely. 
my phone tells me if it's a scam. I love that. If you've ever heard anyone or if you have ever asked for prayer for someone who is experiencing a mental health need, I have never, and I have been in church for 30 years. I have never. Okay. I just picked up the baby, so I may have some uh, background noise, but like I said, I'm determined determined to record this and get it posted today. So I'm going to keep going. Um, what I was saying, like, please, yeah, let me know. I mean, if you've ever heard, uh, a very honest and vulnerable request, um, regarding mental health, I'd really be interested to hear like for prayer for someone, um, you know, that has the, in the church for that specific, specific need. I have never 30 years in church. I've never, what I have had happen is I've had, um, family members who I've, there it is. I've got two babies in the car. I don't know how this is going to work. Um, I've had family members who have had, uh, mental health admissions and have been outright told not to talk about it in the church, not to ask for prayer for those specific, you know, instances in the church, not to, you know, quote unquote, don't talk about our business kind of thing outside of the house. What happens in the house stays in the house. And for me, for me, that has always felt so backward because if I had a family member who fell and broke their hip, I wouldn't think twice about, raising my hand and saying, pray for grandma Johnson. She fell and broke her hip. So then why can't I raise my hand and say, pray for uncle Tommy. He had a manic episode and needed medications adjusted. And so he's, um, in the mental health inpatient for treatment and could really use prayer to be able to, to overcome, you know, this, this incident. Why can't, you know, why isn't there freedom to be able to, to seek out prayer and support for both of those incidents and on the same level? I mean, like I said, for a physical health issue, like I wouldn't think twice about it. I would definitely seek prayer for something like that. Um, so where is the church lacking to where there isn't that same openness and freedom to be able to do that? for a mental health need. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's a matter. I think a lot of it, honestly, I will say this. I think a lot of it is a matter of education. I think a lot of it is a matter of people just talking more and being more honest about things that they're dealing with and things that they're, that are going on in their lives. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, maybe if you're listening and you are involved in a church and active, you could take that on as far as being more upfront and honest about things that either yourself you've dealt with or family members or friends that you know have dealt with and just have those conversations to be able to, um, break down the barriers that have for whatever reason been built up. I think what, what's happened within the church is that there's this mentality of if I have diabetes, no big deal. But if I have bipolar, I'm crazy and people are going to be afraid of me. Or like, um, if I'm a husband and I'm in church 
Or even if I'm the mom, if I'm the wife and I'm in church and I ask for prayer because I'm struggling with postpartum depression, people are going to look at me and be worried that I'm about to drown my baby or I'm about to drive myself and my kids off, you know, whatever it would be. Because the reality is, and I don't want to ignore the reality, the reality is, is that untreated mental health has led to acts of violence, crime, drug, alcohol abuse. I mean, that's the reality and I'm not ignoring that. However, I still believe that as Christians, we cannot just turn our heads and say, well, I'm a Christian. I have faith. And so I, there's, there's nobody in my church that has any mental health issues because we all believe in Jesus and Jesus clears our minds and we don't, we don't have those issues. I think that is such a, a fallacy, just, just a real, real, uh, it's just not true. It's just not facts. Um, if I was worth anything, I would have researched maybe if there's any information about mental health percentages and diagnoses and things like that in the church. I didn't do that. Maybe I will for the description. We'll see what happens. But so I wanted to talk about, I had this, like I mentioned, this incident. I have myself, um, I, I want to say from my teenage years, um, I've definitely have had, um, incidents of depression, um, anxiety. I believe like I've meet criteria, um, I've met criteria and have had been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and um, have, like, met criteria also for, um, which is probably more than anybody wants to know, but premenstrual, d- d- whatever, PMDD, where basically the week before my period I turn into a psycho. Like, I go, like, my emotions are out of control and... So, um, so yeah, I've definitely have had, I had, um, pretty significant, I don't want to I don't think depression, but I definitely had some significant anxiety after the birth of my daughter, my seven year old. And throughout my second marriage, um, I had, uh, pretty significant anxiety too. I actually, at one point went to the doctor because I was having, for a pretty extended period of time to where I could not catch my breath. I felt like I was having to take really deep breaths and I couldn't catch my breath. And my doctor essentially told me that I was in a perpetual state of like a panic, (laughs) panic mode. And my heart rate was really high. My blood pressure was high and all these things. And so my issue as far as, I mean, I, I have definitely been prescribed medications to help with these symptoms in the past. I'm not currently prescribed any medications. It's just full disclosure, just like honest, real talk here. Um, I have not currently prescribed any medications. In the re- not that I don't like believe that they can be helpful or that they would be helpful for me. Even my issue is that. Sorry, I'm trying to like actually control the background noise. If I'm quiet, they're not talking. But when I'm talking, they feel the need to talk also. So that's the way it goes. But. Um, I also like have all this chronic fatigue and all this stuff. So when I take like a doctor prescribes medication that's supposed to help with anxiety, what it helps is for me to sleep for three days. So I just really react very, very strongly to any of those medications. And so I, I haven't, 
Um, maybe there is a, a medication that would work better, but I haven't really ever found a great option for anything that just doesn't make me want to sleep. And I have four kids and a full-time job and a part-time job. And so sleeping all of the time is not really an option. And so I've tried to manage, um, some of my symptoms in other ways with just sleep and, uh, just like some self care as far as trying to be alone and recharging myself and, um, Bible and prayer. And, um, I use essential oils, some, um, not a lot, but you know, I've tried to do other things because I do have these, these symptoms still. I just haven't been able to manage them with medications because of the side effects. So just wanted to be put it out there. I don't want to be talking about something I don't, you don't think I know anything about because I've been for a lot of years have had these things going on in my own world. So, um, anyway, so sitting in church, I typically sit in the back for a couple of reasons. Number one, anxiety. I had a, and also attention deficit. Um, I heard a, a friend of mine said that she had to sit in the front of the church because if she sat in the back, she'd be so distracted by everything that was going on in front of her that she wouldn't be able to pay attention to the pastor. And I was like, mm, I'm the exact opposite. If I sit in the front, I don't hear anything because I'm literally, the only thing I'm thinking about is what's going on behind me. I can't with these kids. Hold on. So I sit in the back for that reason. Also, I sit in the back because for like the past two years, I've had a baby in church. So, um, you know, if I have to get out, I don't want to make a big scene. So I'm in the back and right in front of me is a husband and wife who I've known since I was in high school. They were my youth leaders like two churches ago. And they, um, they have two sons that I've grown up with. I graduated with their younger son. I know their older son is just a, year, a couple years older than him. And... <clears throat> So his older son and uh, their older son and his wife, who I also graduated high school with, like this is a small town situation, folks, in case you couldn't figure that out. Um, I'm friends with her. Like, so I know these people, like I've known them for, you know, 20 years. And so they're sitting in front of me and about 15, 20 minutes into the service, this guy comes in from the back and kind of like scoots his way in and they're sitting on the end. So he climbs over quite a few people, climbs into the middle and sits beside the wife. Now, if you know, if you've ever been in a church, you know, you don't come in late and sit next to somebody. How dare you? You find a seat on an inn like a real human being, or you find somewhere in the middle where you're not sitting next to anybody. How, why would you do that? So already I'm like, why are you breaking church etiquette? Why would you climb over and sit next to this woman? And then also it's just kind of strange. Like he doesn't just sit and like give her her space. He sits very close to her and like puts his arm around her right out the gate. And I'm like, what is going on? So then the kicker is that he's also carrying this giant, I don't even know what to call it. Like I want to call it a walking stick, but it was taller than him. So this thing's like six foot tall. It's thick. Like it's like a bow staff, basically. It's a beaten stick is what it is. It's huge. He comes in carrying this giant stick bow staff thing. And I'm like, what is going on with this dude? He comes in all loud. Then he's like, you know, you come in late to church. You don't come in loud. You don't come in throwing your coat down and making comments and, and, and gesturing and stuff. And he comes in real expressive, real loud, 
got the bow staff. So I'm painting this picture for you, hopefully. But so I'm behind him. I'm seeing all this go down. I'm holding a sleeping baby, and I'm like, "What the heck is going on?" the The husband looks very uncomfortable. The wife also looks pretty uncomfortable. She's not scooting away from him or anything, so I probably should have picked up on that. But so I immediately start texting people because I'm like, uh, I can already feel my breathing is starting to be very rapid. And if you've ever been around me or know me personally, you know that whenever I basically feel any emotions, I get massive hives all the way up my neck, just red, straight up my neck. And so I can already feel hives just coming up my chest, up my neck. I'm already starting. The panic attack is, the panic is ensuing quickly. So I'm like, I got to figure this out. Something's going on. And if, and if, if they don't know this guy, like somebody needs to get in here. We've got a whole security team in my church because they don't play around. And so I'm like, somebody needs to get in here and deal with this guy because something's about to go down. This guy's about to start busting heads. In my mind, that's all that was going to happen. He was going to stand up start swinging the stick and busting heads and I'm like we got to get somebody in here to deal with this guy so I start texting the pastor's wife I'm like do you see this guy sitting by this woman what's going on well we're in church so obviously everyone you know nobody texts in church yeah right no but people are trying to be discreet so I don't get a response right away so then I text the daughter-in-law of this couple who's a friend of mine and I'm like what's going on where's where's her husband which is their son is he here what's going on do you see this guy sitting next to his mom like your mother-in-law what is the deal so I'm waiting on text I'm texting him the pastor's wife tells me it's like uncle pat or something from Alaska I'm like what the heck does that mean is he is he is he gonna is he gonna hurt somebody or not I don't know what that means uncle pat like from Alaska am I said supposed to mean something to me so I just think that that's like the name that they've gave this guy and he's off the streets and then I'm like was well, he okay like should I be concerned do I need to get out of here should I go get my other kids is he gonna bust heads what's gonna happen so I'm waiting I'm I'm getting more in panic and I'm starting to feel if you've had a panic attack before I mean I think everyone experiences them differently but for me I start to feel like I'm gonna black out And so I start to feel that. I start to feel really dizzy, really lightheaded, and I'm holding a baby. And I'm thinking, how am I going to stand up mid-panic attack and get out of here so that I don't pass out out of this chair and drop this baby? Because I need to hand this baby off to somebody before I potentially pass out. I've never passed out before, um, but... I've always been able to, like, divert my attention or divert myself to stop that from happening, but... So I finally get a text back from my friend who's their daughter-in-law, this couple's daughter-in-law. And she's like, that is his, that is the wife's brother. He's from Alaska. No harm. And I'm like, okay, fine. Like I got myself worked up for nothing, but I'm, so now I'm glad to know that I don't need to worry about this guy busting heads with this giant bow staff. (laughs) He's actually this woman's brother. We're good. You know, and I think when I got to thinking like, why did I jump to that scenario? I think unfortunately in our society over the past 10, 15, 20 years is that we have seen a lot of, you know, mass violence, mass shootings, mass attacks, all those things. And so for me, like when I'm in a large group setting, I'm always thinking about something like that potentially happening again, anxiety. And, uh, and so 
I think about it in church, and that's another reason why I sit in the back is because I don't want to. I want to be able to kind of see what's going on and and know what's happening, and so that's where my brain went, and that's usually what I think about in any type of a large group setting. But um, anyway, so I guess what I wanted to talk about with that particular scenario in my life, and wanted to just encourage you. If you're someone who struggles or or has um, dealt with any type of mental health diagnosis, I've heard in a lot of pastors who have said and have talked about how um, anxiety and depression, um, even some I've heard a pastor talk about obsessive compulsive tendencies and disorder um, and even attention deficit that that a lot of these things are as a result of not having a, um, like your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. And so I think that that really presents like a, a very difficult scenario for, I mean, for me, it, like I would, I've heard that I've thought, oh my gosh, like I struggle with feeling this way. And so I need to work on my relationship with God. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. And the fact of the matter is I could pray and read my Bible. By the way, every time that she says mommy and I'm pausing it, all she's doing is telling me either we're in the car. Um, she wants to talk to her grandmother Val or she has a friend named Cruz or that her name is Mia. So in case you are concerned that I'm like ignoring her because she's trying to tell me something important. Um, those have been the four things that she has consistently told me every time that she says mommy of her heart. So, but anyway, um, I could read my Bible. I could pray. I could spend every waking moment of my life focusing on my relationship with God. And I believe that God could heal me and, and take away these symptoms. Just like I believe God could heal someone of a brain tumor or of cancer. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that I think mental health diagnoses are so a lot of times uh, a, a breakdown of multiple factors. I think that there's genetic factors. I think that there's chemical and hormonal and physiological factors. And I do believe that there are factors that are part of uh, your relationship with God, that, that areas that could be lacking, whether it's prayer or Bible study or learning about who God is to be able to kind of address some of the symptoms that you have. But I guess that's the one thing, the main thing that I wanted to say is for me in that situation, it really allowed for me to be, um, like just to really open my eyes to the fact that my faith when confronted with a totally fabricated tragedy, but a potential tragedy, um, was really lacking. Like instead of in that moment praying and, and asking God to give me peace and to give me confidence in that scenario, I immediately went into mode of like, how do I get out of here? What am I going to do with the baby? How do I keep myself from continuing to have this panic attack? How do I get to my other kids? How do I get out of the church safely? How do I keep this guy from busting heads with this giant stick? Um, yeah. So, okay. So what I was saying right now, I'm hiding in the laundry room. I'm determined to finish this up. Baby has a bottle. So I've got about three minutes here before he starts flipping out. Um, is that, 
since that incident at church, what I have really been focusing on, like in my prayer and Bible time is trying to basically like sure up my faith and, and remind myself of who God is and what he's capable of. And so that God forbid, but if there ever is a situation where I'm confronted with either a fabricated situation or an actual situation similar to that, that I would, instead of turning to myself and turning to my own planning and strength and, and whatever, that I would turn to God and that I would seek God in those moments for help and strength. So that's been a good outcome of it. Um, you know, I, when I was texting the pastor's wife, who is a friend of mine, and then also um, the daughter-in-law of the couple, who's also a friend of mine, I did say to both of them that I was having a panic attack, that this guy was causing me to have a panic attack. And I, I don't know that either one of them, I don't, I've, I, here I'm talking about like being honest about mental health and I don't think that I've ever really had honest conversations with either one of them for them to know that when I said that it really was happening and it was really was a a serious thing that I was saying. I wasn't saying it as a joke or like, ah, I'm having a panic attack over this guy. Like I really was. And I don't think that any, either one of them, um, really would have known that. I mean, it's no fault to them that they didn't like come and ask me if I was okay because neither one of them or do anything like, what would you even do? I don't know. But I don't think either one of them would have realized that that was legitimately what was happening or that, or what was happening with me in that moment. I know the one, um, actually texted me back and said like, LOL, you're okay. Just breathe. And so I think, you know, it was, when I said that it was perceived as a joke, which is fine. Like I said, neither one of them would have had any reason to think that I was doing anything but joking because I think we do joke about having panic attacks and about going crazy and about our kids making us crazy and being overwhelmed and the school drop off line makes us crazy. Or, you know, our kids stay at home moms. We feel sad or we feel overwhelmed. I think we joke about these things, but in reality, you know, you have those moments, but a lot of times those moments drag out to be days and days and days of moments. And it's more serious than just a moment of feeling overwhelmed or feeling stressed or, you know, whatever it would be. So I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, who has felt this way or does feel this way or has feelings that are, um, you know, like, here's the way I, like when I, do an evaluation with the geriatric population. 95% of the time, they don't even know what anxiety is. And I get a, I get like, what's anxiety? So what the way that I explain it, and this is super generic, but just to, I mean, if you're listening and you're thinking, I don't know if I have anxiety or maybe I'm just stressed out, or I don't know if I'm depressed, or maybe I'm just stressed out, or I don't know if I have, you know, I don't know what's, what's over the line or what I need to, what maybe is something I need to get help for talk to professional about, or maybe it's just, I have four kids and this is just what, this is just my life. Um, and so what, the way I explain it to the patients that I see is when they ask me like, well, what's anxiety? I'll say, um, you know, everyone experiences things that they are stressed or worried or afraid of in their day-to-day life. But where I see it crossing over to the uh, realm of anxiety is when those fears or stresses or worries um, last for an extended period of time 
affect our daily living activities like sleep and food and eating and functioning in our household, hygiene, things like that. And then thirdly, they affect our ability to enjoy things that we used to enjoy. So that is like, like I said, super generic, super basic. But if you can like look at your life and think, you know what? The way that I feel is affecting, I'm not sleeping, I don't eat, I don't feel like eating, I um, have felt this way for months and months, and I used to really enjoy getting together with my girlfriends, but the thought lately of leaving my house is way too overwhelming. I would say, you know, then then that crosses the line and you could, you know, potentially seek a professional to talk to about, you know, treatment, whatever that would be. I'm not saying that medication management is the best option for everyone. I'm not saying that I do think counseling is a great option for pretty much anyone, but that's just my personal stance on therapy. So anyway, I don't want to get too technical here. I could start, I start, I can tell like my voice changes and I start talking social work, social worky voice, but I'm trying to wrap this up. Still hiding out in my laundry room. I got me a setup playing kitchen with uh, Clara and the baby is hopefully being uh, watched by the 12 year old in the living room finishes bottle so I got I've got a limited amount of time before all of them start to just lose their shit over it not being dinner dinner not being ready I got 20 minutes because at 6 p.m on the dot if my children are not eating they combust they just completely combust into flames like total totally hangry right at six so um gonna get off here gonna get dinner started gonna take care of my kids but i am wrapping this up here's what i'm gonna say if you need somebody to talk to if you need help please talk to me or find someone that you can talk to if you need and feel like you need to seek treatment for a mental health symptom that you're having please do that If you feel like you want to be the voice of change within your church community to break down these barriers of the shame and embarrassment and stigma that comes with mental health um, in the church, please do that and take that on and make that your cause. Um, And let's try to open some minds to the possibility that, you know, you can be a faithful and active uh, Christian and also have a mental health diagnosis that you struggle with and deal with just alongside with someone who struggles and deals with a physical health diagnosis. So that's where I stand. If you disagree with me, email me. If you agree with me, email me. If you just want to listen and never email me, perfect. Don't email me. Um, or you can catch up with me on Instagram. It's dot me dot Sam dot podcast at Gmail. That's my email at gmail.com. It's dot me dot Sam dot podcast on Instagram. And, uh, hopefully I will get this listened to. I'm going to post it tonight. I'm doing it. So this is Monday. Hopefully look for another post on Friday. Like I said, I'm not making any guarantees because I do not want to let anybody down, but that's my goal. Mondays and Fridays. That's the goal. So look for a new episode on Friday. I'm going to go ahead and say that. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, well, you know, you know how it is. So uh, I hope you had a great day and I'll plan on talking to you the next time. All right. Bye.